0: Hi, this is ESPN's Dave Lamont, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. Sports Objective. We appreciate everyone tuning in here on a Thursday afternoon as we're going to be talking East Carolina Pirate baseball uh, with the guy who just exhausted his eligibility in the purple and gold. Um, But right now, I'd like to welcome into the show a former East Carolina catcher, and it sounds weird using that word former in front of uh, his name, but uh, former East Carolina catcher Ben Newton. Uh, We appreciate your time this afternoon, Ben.
1: Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that word former, but I appreciate you having me on. Looking
0: forward to it. No doubt. Um, really appreciate the time. And, and like you said, um, I know, it, you know, here just over a week out uh, since we had uh, unfortunately lost that game three in the Super Regional against the University of Texas, but um, tremendous Pirate career. and I know you really enjoyed your experience in the purple and gold. But uh, you know, before we dive into that, um, just tell Pirate Nation a, l- a little about you, because I know you're from Colorado. You, you were born there. And, um, you know, You're in Loveland, Colorado, which um, for those that aren't familiar about a north,
1: uh, excuse me, an
0: hour north of Denver, and an hour south of Laramie, Wyoming.
1: Yeah, so just like what you said, uh, grew up in Loveland, Colorado. Um, Colorado's not a big baseball hotbed, obviously, so I I mean, I played every sport growing up. Um, Probably my favorite sport growing up was hockey. I played hockey up until high school, and then I just kind of narrowed it down into basketball and baseball, and then... um, Entering my senior year, that's when I finally made the decision, like I want to go play college baseball. And I I mean, I still played basketball and all through high school. And then not a lot of people know this, but out of high school, I actually went to a small school in Kansas. It was a division two school named uh, Fort Hayes. And then I went there for a year and red shirted. Um, After that, I transferred to a junior college in Colorado, really small junior college. Uh, It was called Northeastern Junior College. It's in Sterling, Colorado, which is about is basically Nebraska. Um, I, it's not Colorado at all, really. It's a really small school. We play all the uh, junior colleges in Colorado. And I was there for two years. And then on my second year, uh, got recruited by ECU. And first time ECU called me, like I had never heard of ECU, to be honest. I uh, I checked my phone. I said, voicemail from East Carolina University. And I was like, man, I thought there was just North and South, but uh, quickly got educated that no, East Carolina is a pretty big school, pretty big baseball school out in North Carolina, and man, I was really excited once I figured all that out and put it together that they were getting a hold of me. Um, so yeah, after junior college, made my way to ECU, and then you guys have seen the rest.
0: Yeah, no doubt on um, the um, the tradition of the East Carolina baseball program is obviously um, you know very uh, very proud and a lot of success down through the years, and uh, this year was no different. Um, but. You know, Talking about your childhood there in Colorado, you talk about your background in hockey, and I thought that was the case. I I thought I was remembering that correctly um, without asking you about it pre-show. But, uh, you know, so what position did you play? Were you a goalie? And, uh, you know, talk about um, just your background in hockey. And uh, I know, obviously, you had the avalanche. And then um, just talk about, you know just being a hockey fan and uh, you know hockey player growing up
1: yeah um everyone asked if I was a if I was a goalie just because I played catcher but I was actually a defenseman uh the reason I was a defenseman was I had those slow moving feet couldn't play forward but I mean I think hockey kind of set a big background um just in my athletic career just because it's a real competitive sport um especially in Colorado I played for some um ex-pro coaches so in a in Northern Colorado, where I'm from, there's a minor league hockey team named the Colorado Eagles, and then I played for the Colorado Junior Eagles. And a few ex-players would be our coaches. I um, remember one was Aaron Grossel. He was a fun. Then we had a another big coach in my life came from hockey was Mark Divine. And Coach Divine played played a college hockey, played professional hockey, just played hockey at a high level and he would always get on us and he was so talented as a hockey player that we would be like in middle schoolers and he would, he would shoot the puck at you, but he was so good. He'd perfectly like miss your head to like wake you up and get you locked in. Um, He's probably the first coach I ever played for that would legit just chew you out on the ice. But at the end of the day, he was like an Italian guy and he had that voice and come up to him like, I love you brother. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, hockey was a lot of fun growing up. Um, Big abs fan right now. They're in the Stanley Cup playoffs, um, winning the series three to one. Going to watch that next game and hope they win the cup.
0: In addition to uh, your fandom there with the Avalanche, um, obviously you have the Rockies, the, the Nuggets, um, and the Broncos, right there. Um, you also had the University of Colorado, which you know doesn't have baseball, but just talk about uh, you know growing up and you mentioned playing basketball as well. You know who were some of those teams you pulled for, and you know your favorite athletes in those sports?
1: Yeah, so I mean, um on the college aspect of baseball, like not a lot of people know, there's there's only two Division one schools that have baseball in Colorado, and one of them is Air Force. so if you're not really looking for the military, that literally only leaves leaves um University of Northern Colorado as a uh, Division one baseball program inside of Colorado. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you really look up to the Rockies. I grew up about an hour north of Denver, like you said, so always go to Rockies games growing up. Um, That was kind of surreal a little bit, looking in the Texas dugout, and there's Tulo um, coaching them just because, like, growing up in Colorado, Tulo was kind of the man, especially when I was right at that age, where I was starting to understand baseball and really watch baseball, man. Like, every kid in Colorado had a Tulo jersey. Every kid in Colorado looked up to Tulo. So, I mean, that was just cool to see him out there and think about, man, I've come a long way in my career for sure.
0: And connecting the East Carolina baseball program and the Rockies, right? I guess it was right around the time you were being recruited by the Pirates and then uh, arriving in Greenville was when Jeff Hoffman was wearing the, the purple and black for the Rockies. Um, so uh, I know you have
1: probably some familiarity with Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like I said, I was being recruited. I heard about ECU, and then you start putting the pieces together. And you're like, man, this – this guy was a former pirate, so it was pretty cool to just see it kind of come full circle like that.
0: Playing the position, uh, you know, or, you know, being behind the plate like you are a catcher. Um, when did you? When did you um, become a catcher? And that's something that is certainly not for everyone. a Very challenging position. So many intangibles, you know, toughness, leadership, etc., required to be an excellent catcher. And uh, you know, especially you know when you're doing it in an environment like Greenville, North Carolina, where it gets so warm toward the end of the season. But uh, just talk about your background there. When did you start uh, catching? And uh, in addition to catcher, what other positions did you play growing up?
1: Yeah, so my main position was catcher ever since I was 10 years old, which is pretty early when you think about it. But, I mean, I played third base, and I played, like, shortstop a little bit and a little bit of second base. But I think I really just started catching when I was 10 years old. I think what got me back there was um, I always had a high baseball IQ, even from a young age. I just always learned the game at a high level. And that's where – that's what got me back there to start, was just I knew I could help the team that way. And then, you know, I got a – i had a lot of great mentors along my way i think when i was younger um, a guy named logan moore would come and work out with us every now and then he's a former minor leaguer he's still playing in um professional baseball right now and he would come work with me as a catcher and he would just teach me a lot and then as i got older um at my junior college i had a lot of former catchers that um taught me and my head coach my sophomore year of junior college he was a former catcher too he was wasn't even a bullpen catcher for the Orioles. So, you know, you just learn a lot about the workload and how you have to manage it. And obviously Coach God was a former catcher and Coach Knight. But you learn a lot about just managing the workload, like I said. Um, it takes a kind of special person to be back there, especially every game. Um, I think part of it is obviously the physical aspect, but even more so, like you were touching on, it's, it's the mental aspect where you kind of got to get your mind in the right place every game because your legs – will never feel as good as they do on opening day, but you have to find a way to loosen up and convince yourself, like, there's no room for an excuse today. You just got to go out there and play at a high level. And, I mean, I like the challenge a lot because it's just – there's a lot of ways you can impact the game behind the plate. That's why I loved catching. Just you can receive well, you can block well, you can throw well. You don't always have to be hitting well to have an impact on the game. There's just every single pitch you can have an influence on how the game's decided.
0: No doubt about it. and you know. Yeah. Let's dive a little bit more into your uh, your recruitment to East Carolina. You talk about getting that phone call and the voicemail, and you know doing your research to figure out exactly uh, what East Carolina University and the baseball program was all about. But um, you know, was it uh, I guess Coach Palumbo that had left you that voicemail and just talk about getting to know Coach Godwin, as you mentioned, he was a catcher and of course uh, works with the catchers, and uh, and then you also have Coach Knight, uh, AK, had played the position for, for Coach Godwin and Ole Miss. Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess it's kind of funny when you're in a small junior college in Colorado, you hear from a big time school like Coach Colombo called me, called me the first time, and I was like, man, that was cool, but I'm probably never going to hear from him again. Like I'm sure they're going to find somewhere closer to them in a warm weather state. And, you know, Coach Palumbo kept calling me. Uh, Eventually he came out to watch me play in Arizona and I played well that game and he ended up having me out for a visit. And as I met Coach Godwin, I remember sitting in his desk on my official visit and Coach Godwin looks me in the eyes like, don't come here if you don't want to work hard. And you know, as a recruit, you think, okay, that's interesting, but I think I can handle it. Then you come there as a player and you're like, Man, these guys do work hard. And that's why they're so good. But yeah, like Coach Palumbo recruited me, got to meet Coach P a lot, got to meet CG. And then eventually AK came, um, I think it was that summer or that fall that I'd already been there. Um, AK was the catching coach that first year I was or actually CG and AK were both the catching coaches when I first got there. Um, helped me out a lot, and I think the biggest thing was, like I said, they both just, from a mentality aspect, they don't tolerate you not being ready to play or being ready to practice, and that's every day.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, I've heard Coach Palumbo over the years, uh, specifically in you know, the last, last year or two in different interviews, and I think even this year's East Carolina Baseball Media Day when he was addressing the local media Uh, just talking about how Coach Godwin is, of course, very direct and uh, saying to prospects exactly what you just said, uh, don't come to East Carolina if you don't want to work hard because it's not going to go well for you, basically. And uh, Coach Palumbo said, uh, you know, he kind of laughed and said, hey, that can be a good thing and a bad thing, but uh, you you know what you're getting before you uh, sign on the dotted line, so
1: to speak. Yeah, exactly. You kind of – and the funny thing is, is uh, like I said earlier, when you're a recruit, you think you know what they mean when they say they work hard and then you get here. It's a whole nother level. But it's good for you. It gets you better. It gets, at the very least, you become a better person. So, I mean, that's a big testament to the program. In addition to East Carolina, before um, choosing the Pirates, and you know, what other programs did you consider out of Northeastern Junior College? Um, you know, ECU was my first visit. Um my first division one, as I should say, it was kind of I was going to base, base all of my recruiting on how that visit went. And I went to ECU and I had a good visit there, got a good offer. And that was kind of the rest for me. I didn't take any other visits. Um, I think my next in line was going to be uh, Cal Poly in Cal- California. And then also, I really liked um, there's a great Division Two program named Colorado Mesa out in Colorado. They're in the I feel like they're playing for the D2 National Championship every year. Um, and that was also really high on my list.
0: Yeah, certainly uh, familiar uh, a little bit uh, with with them on D two ranks, and because uh, a good friend of mine who's actually at App State now, Britt Johnson. He and uh, Kermit Smith, the head coach there at Appalachian, uh, they had been at Lander down in South Carolina, and they had made uh, two trips to um, the Division two College World Series in Cary. And uh, so some a lot of those powerful Division two programs. I'm a little familiar with them because of that. But, uh, you know, you talk about working hard, you know, I guess what, arriving on campus in the fall of 2019?
1: Uh, summer
0: 2019. Yeah, summer, summer 2019, of course. Uh, and when you got on campus, you just talk about, you know, just making that transition from the junior college ranks to everything that Division One baseball at that level entails as far as, as far as uh, strength and conditioning. And uh, I know, you know, you had
1: mission week and everything with fall ball. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of hard stuff you do here that you don't do in junior college. But, I mean, between Division one baseball and JUCO, there's a massive difference just on, like, the support you have. Like, at junior college we had – my sophomore year we had a head coach and assistant coach, and that was it. And then at ECU, I mean, you have a head coach, you have an assistant assistant coach another assistant coach another assistant coach a pitching coach you got managers who will help you out with your laundry you got um graduate managers like Turner Brown my last year was also would help you out you have a strength coach and then you have an academic advisor all in your corner so it's pretty interesting just from that aspect like Another really cool thing was when I got here, I think the first thing I did when I got to ECU in that summer was just go to my locker because I'd never had a locker room before. In junior college, we didn't have lockers. We all just changed out of our cars. So, I mean, when I first got to that locker, it felt kind of surreal. It kind of felt like, man, this is really like big boy baseball. And got my name and got my uh, where I'm from, hanging up on a locker, a place to keep all my stuff. I don't have to log it back and forth. Like, that was the most exciting thing for me.
0: Yeah, that's, that's an awesome story, uh, uh, something that probably a lot of people don't think about. I'm sure it varies depending on the program you're at, but I'm sure uh, you know, more often than not, that, that probably is the case at uh, most junior college programs.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just all the support you can get at, at the divisional level is pretty cool, and like even little things um, such as gear. I remember in junior college, I wanted to get a new bat. So I had to pick up a little summer part-time job just to get that new bat, and then at junior and Division One level, you know, we obviously have a great deal at Easton where we get to swing some sweet bats. So little stuff like that—it's—it makes. I think I'm glad I went from junior college just because I appreciate it all at the D1 level. And
0: so there in the fall of nineteen, obviously, um, little did we know what would what would follow there in the spring of 2020 with a. with a shortened season uh, only playing 17 games, but uh, just talk about your role within the program and, uh, you know, where you were headed into that 2020 season coming out of the fall. And uh, you, you uh, I know played in 12 games of the 17 and started seven and you had a, a significant role as a part-time starter early on in that 2020 campaign. Yeah. In
1: 2020, I was uh I was backing up Stump to start the year. Then um, I think there was a couple injuries and all of a sudden I moved into the DH role. And it was, for me, it was just, as soon as, I think so, a little tracing back a little bit, like out of junior college was, I just wanted to go to school at one. I think uh, junior college didn't win at as high of a level as I wanted to. And that's really what drew me to ECU. was like, I want to go to the place that wins at the highest level there is. And that's what I chose ECU four. And so that 2020 year, I was like my mindset was literally just how can I help the team win, whether it's catching, whether it's DHing. So as I kind of fell into more roles, like my that was my mindset the whole year. Nothing really changed. And I think that's what kind of allowed me to play into those different roles. Like I just didn't care. It was just for me, it was just about being on the field and helping the team win.
0: And before we move on and talk about the last couple seasons. From a player's perspective, um, tell us about the craziness of that 2020 season. We've heard it from Coach Godwin and I'm sure Coach Palumbo just talking about and you guys had uh, were, were getting wind of things on social media as you were headed down to UNC Wilmington to play. And um, you, it was kind of an eerie feel, feeling to say the least. Um, very weird. And then and you had the series with – Columbia that weekend canceled. You're trying to find a new opponent. I mean, Coach Godwin, obviously, and the staff were. And then all of a sudden, everything just came to
1: an end. Yeah, exactly. We were on the bus to Wilmington, and the Ivy League canceled. And then we put it together that, well, Columbia's in the Ivy League. And then before our Wilmington – before we got off the bus, I remember CG tweeted, like, we're looking for an opponent because Columbia's not going to be here. And we thought nothing of it. Maybe it's just the Ivy League canceling their season. Um, and then we played the Wilmington game. And then by the time we were back on the bus, or maybe I think shortly, probably late into the night, because you get home a little bit late on that bus ride. Um, the NCAA Baseball had tweeted that they canceled the um, canceled the College World Series. And it's just kind of a lot of uncertainty. I think with the rest of the world too, you're like, well, I don't know much about this disease going on. I don't know much about anything, but all of a sudden the baseball season's canceled and, and it just happened over the course of one of our baseball games. And it was just the most bizarre thing ever. We had no idea really what was going on. I remember CG told the team, he said, I really just, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm not sure what's going on. And we tried to practice and, canceled practice and I just it was all kind of a blur and then all of a sudden the season's over which it was obviously hugely disappointing I think the most disappointing part was just some of the outgoing seniors um I know I think Barber just for their senior year to end like that um for Barber and Barber didn't come back it was just really disappointing because um Barber came back from a hip injury probably one of the nicest guys on the team We just want to see him see his career through so yeah it's definitely it was a weird weird uh weird time period
0: no doubt, and uh, you know, in the fall of 2020, you had East Carolina football not playing its first game until the the last weekend of September. So, you know, you know remind our viewers and listeners what it was like for the baseball program in the fall of 2020.
1: Yeah, I think we uh, we tried to have it as normal as we could. You know, I think obviously there were different rules in um, in the classroom, and then different rules in the weight room and different rules inside of our facility. We were just trying to stay spread out and wear masks and whatnot. But we tried to have it as normal as we could. Um, I think a big difference was we didn't get to have any outside competition. Um, Usually every fall you'll play a school like Virginia or like Liberty. And it's just nice to play a different team after you're playing each other all fall, but we didn't get to do that. But, like, I think we really just try to keep it as normal as possible. You know, obviously you get kind of – Get kind of used to all the uh, new nuances, new rules with COVID that just becomes a part of life at that time period. You just, I think the happiest thing is you're just happy to be out there playing baseball. Everything that comes with it, you're like, fine, I'll deal with it. I'm just happy to be out here again. Uh,
0: one of the things um, that it was good that the NCAA did it, and guys like yourself, as as well as several others, you know, received that year of eligibility back. But it's certainly, uh, you know, some unintended consequences there on the back end with uh, Coach Godwin and and Coach Palumbo and the way they have to manage things, um, trying to uh, to work all the numbers out to get them where they need to be with the, uh, because like right now, I heard uh, Coach Godwin in a recent interview earlier this week just saying that um, our 11.7 scholarships are actually um, not all spent, but because of you know some of the roster situations you know with the with the numbers that you're working with there that um we cannot spend that
1: money really yeah it's an interesting thing that's happened um I think they've done a good job just with how upfront they are with the players just because you know it's they are controlling it as much as they can and as a player you want what's best for you and best for the team and I think what they've done is just be real upfront about it definitely and um you know and so, going into
0: that 2021 season, uh, coming off the weird 2020, um, just talk about your role as a part-time starter. Um, very much like it was in 2020, behind Stump there, uh, splitting time with him. You started 22 ball games, 14 of those behind the plate. Uh, a very solid season for you. I know uh, you guys are focused on quality at bats, not your batting average, but you hit uh, 3.25. Um and you had um several multi-hit games and you know, I remember one game specifically against Charlotte and um, where you where
1: you had a three-hit game. Yeah, that was uh, the three hit game was awesome because uh I got like got one funny story about that game. So um <laughs> pre we're not allowed to have our phones in the facility and pre-game coach G saw me with my phone in the facility and he lit me up and I was like I've never been so nervous for a baseball game <laughs> because he found me with my phone and obviously never made that mistake again. But I think I was so locked in because I was like, man, if I don't play good, CG is going to send me – he's probably just going to send me home for the rest of the year. <laughs> but, yeah, that game was a, – also a cool thing about that game was my parents had flown in for that game, so I was also ready to go on that aspect. But like you said, in uh, 2021, uh, backed up Stump and had some DH starts in there too. Um, I mean, a big thing for me, like I said earlier, where I just wanted to win was I knew going into that year, my role was going to be pretty, it's going to be fairly big just because there's four game weekends and a big double header. Um, I just knew that I was going to obviously be catching one of those games. And my biggest thing was I just didn't want there to be a difference between starter or backup catcher. I think on some teams, you could see there'd be a notable, notable difference between the starter and the backup and when the back was in. Uh, that we would take advantage of it, you know, steal bases or whatever. So I think a big thing for me was I wanted to help Stump stay fresh by catching that game, but also just had there not be a had not let there not be a difference between me and me and him behind the plate, like the team that I guess wanted to keep the pitchers confident.
0: You know, I talk about your your numbers on the whole. Um, you know, in preparation for this interview, I was looking over on um, the numbers from that season in your bio, and uh, I, I know you were very good with with two outs. I know that's a big emphasis within the program as far as, hey, just because we have two outs, you still have a third of the inning left and so on. And so just talk about um, that, um, you know, the approach within within the program and what Coach Godwin uh, and staff uh, communicate to you guys because I know you were very good uh, uh, hitting, I think something like 350 with two outs and driving in a lot of runs.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh... – just the mindset we have as hitters. Um, some teams, there's two outs, they might get there they might think, oh crap, we need to hit to score them. And for us, we get kind of excited because we know two outs, if you get a hit and score, them, like the team's just gonna be fired up and we feed off of that energy. So I think just that little mentality flip here, it just, it excites, it excites the hitters to be in there with two outs, runner in scoring position. So uh, in
0: 2021, Pirates, earn a host spot um, you know, for a third consecutive season. And um, just what are your memories of that 2021 Greenville Regional and, uh, you know, that come-from-behind win over Charlotte's, where uh, that was one of the loudest, um, you know, games in Clark LeClaire Stadium that, um, probably until this season?
1: Yeah, that so that was my first time hosting a regional. So that was my first time experiencing that, just seeing that magnitude of fans. I've never seen that in a stadium before. Um, that Charlotte game was definitely the most memorable. I think I remember Bryson's hit the most. And then Bryson's, or actually Bryson's hit followed by Hoover's hit was just two key moments there. And I think also my greatest memory greatest memories uh, watching Bryson make that flying catch in center field. That was pretty, pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, just winning that regional all together as a whole was a great experience. Seeing each guy have different moments where they succeeded was really rewarding as a teammate.
0: And then, uh, you know, moving on to the Nashville Super Regional and, you know, going against uh, a bandy program that's had so much success over the last you know, two decades or so under Coach Corbin. Um, just talk about that experience because uh, you were able to get significant uh, reps there in Nashville. And I know that, uh, you know, obviously paid dividends, you know, moving into your senior year.
1: Yeah, in that uh, Super Regional, I got a pitch at a bat late in the game one. And then, like I said, that was also really cool just to see that atmosphere, an SEC atmosphere with a ton of fans and a ton of our fans too, which was even cooler for me, was like we traveled really well into an SEC atmosphere and they, our fans held their own. You could hear them loud as day. and What was really cool about going to that Regional was everyone talked about uh, Kumar and Lighter, but. I mean we were we're just as confident with our one two of uh, Gavin and Wiz. Um Gavin and Wiz both did a really good job. Gavin towed the line with Kumar and on the national stage and yeah, it was a great experience that really led us into the next year too. And in game two you were behind the plate, correct? Oh, <laughs> uh, I was not.
0: Okay, okay. I, I was trying to remember. I I knew it certain times. Okay, so uh you know, moving into to this season, or actually before that, uh as far as Carson Wisenhunt, um, no need to rehash everything that went on there. Um, but at the same time, you know, you talk about the tremendous arm that Carson is, uh, one of the top, in some people's opinion, the top left-handed pitcher in the country. And I know he's currently pitching up in the Cape, So, uh, you know, you know, working with him um, behind the scenes, you know, fall and, and practice. just and talk, and talk about Carson and, you know, everything that he, he has the potential to do uh,
1: long-term in his career. Yeah, I mean, obviously he has the potential to play uh, professional baseball, which is, I think we come across a lot of those players in our program, but it's something that you shouldn't take lightly. The The opportunity to play professional baseball is pretty sweet. Um, Wizard Hunt, obviously his stuff is just a different, a different kind of stuff than a lot of people you catch. He has a really live fastball, really good changeup, and a really sharp curveball that you just don't come across all the time either.
0: So... Going into 2022, I um, mean, you knew you had the chance to to be the guy with um, you know, Stump moving on into professional baseball. So, uh, just talk about um, you know the battle for that position. You also had you know, Justin Wilcoxen, and then also uh, McChrystal.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I look at catching position as it's always going to be by a committee. There's always going to be multiple guys that have to get back there. And uh, I wasn't really sure what my role was to start the year. Um, Jada was a starting catcher start the year, and I was catching a few games here and there. And then eventually I came into the starter role, and I guess I kind of took it and ran with it. But, yeah, I mean, it's just for me it was never in the mindset of, oh, I need to beat this guy out. It was just there's going to be multiple guys behind the plate, and you just got to be the best version of yourself each day.
0: So throughout the the beginning of 2022, obviously so many uh, high expectations and understandably so, but um, in the first half of the season didn't go the way anyone would have liked for it to. But uh, you guys, to your credit, um, you know, kind of circled the wagon, so to speak. They're halfway home um, there after a series opening loss up at Cincinnati. And I know Coach Godwin spoke publicly as far as the way um, from that point on you know, Cooch, yourself, etc. cetera. There was really more of a, a player-led uh, atmosphere uh, there within the program. So just talk about that, uh, what you can.
1: Yeah, like you said, uh, after that first loss to Cincinnati, CG uh, said that the players are going to go over the game notes for our pregame meeting. Usually CG kind of talks about the game and then we'll talk about the next game and he put it all on us, which was, you know, at the time you're kind of like, This is kind of interesting, but I think it was good for us just to get in front of the team and speak because I think guys really started to listen to um, me and Cooch up there. And, yeah, it gave us an opportunity to really dive into the game a little bit more and learn the game and talk about how the flow of the game matters and how you can influence the game even if you struggle at first. I think what guys really grasped onto was just the game's never over, um, whether we're down in the first three innings or, you know, tied or, or ahead the game's never over. You have to keep playing the game. And I think that's what helped us with our comebacks a lot. We had a lot of comebacks in our win streak. And I think we can test attest a little bit of that to just us talking about the game and what you realize after the game is like at certain points of the game, when you're inside the game, you might think, man, this isn't going our way. We're not going to win today. And then you reflect after the fact and you realize, man, this game was within reach. My mindset was just wasn't right. And I think that's what really helped transition as well. So, um, you know, across the board,
0: you know, talk about that. So you mentioned the mindset and your coach Godwin in a couple of post games uh, when he was asked by the media, you know, just about that very thing and as far as, hey, coach, um, do you feel like this team's going to a little bit? and? Uh, getting to where they need to be. He said, I honestly don't know what I'm going to get right now, you know, prior to that Cincinnati series. And he had said that a couple times. Uh, so just you know, talk about um, guys uh, getting to where they need to be mentally and with their approach and focus.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, there's different learning curves for different players and different learning curves for different teams. Um, he'll tell you, Coach G will tell you too, like each team has a different story. Um, I think Last year, or I should say the uh, 2021, we had a lot of older guys that had an understanding of their role and kind of had a plan for how the year would go and how to respond to certain things. And in 2022, it was a little different than that. We had a little bit more, um, little bit more finding our way. And I think another thing is as the year wore on was when we were winning games, it was coming from a ton of different sources on our team. There are different guys supplying different moments in the games that helped us win. It wasn't always just one or two guys.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, definitely saw contributions from a lot of places and, and early in the first half of the season, you saw what the team could be. It just wasn't there consistently, but then uh, to your guys' credits and you you put it together a 120 straight which is the longest win streak in east carolina's storied baseball history and and so just i know uh, one of the things you always hear whether it's from this team or we've talked to the 2004 team uh several guys that were um, part of that 19 game win streak and they just said honestly you're just so focused on the day-to-day process that you really don't even think about the win streak it just takes care of itself
1: yeah exactly uh you don't really want to talk about the win streak or anything because 'cause we're weird baseball players that think it might jinx it. But yeah, I mean, you look back and you're like, Holy cow, twenty games in a row, like that's unreal. But in the time it's just, all right, we won yesterday, we're let's try and win today. And I think another thing was just we had a lot of swagger about us in that time period. We just knew like we're gonna find a way to win. It's what we do now. It's I think that's kind of the swagger we might not have had to start the year that we found later in that it's just we're going to find a way to win. It's what we do. It's who we are. And um, as I said earlier, it's, we just know that whoever's up at the plate or whoever's pitching, like they can have a moment today that's going to help us win.
0: And one of those things, or, you know, some of those things rather that uh, really you know, started that win streak and kept it going is, uh, you know, you had Ryder Giles, you know, make you know, make that decision, you know, go into coach Godwin and talking about becoming a pitcher and doing what he could to help the team and you had Zach um, bumping over from second base to short and just playing uh, remarkably well there only having five errors on the season which is just unheard of for a middle infielder period um, especially a guy that um, played that much shortstop but uh, and then you had guys like yourself you you encountered some personal adversity there Um, I guess what it was it right before the Cincinnati series
1: uh yep yeah it was
0: so, so you had gone back home to, to Colorado uh, for that situation? Uh, what, a, a death in the family?
1: Yeah, my uh, my grandmother passed away. Um, I think it was I flew home that uh, all I know is I missed the Sunday VCU game, and then I missed the Tuesday NC State game. And I flew home, and then – well, I would Another crazy story is on my drive to the airport, I run into a deer. Sad <laughs> so insult to injury, right there. But yeah, I get back, um, fly back from Colorado, um, do a pitcher, catcher, hitter that Wednesday, and then that Thursday, fly to Cincinnati, and we play Friday, and we we'll lose again. So at that time, I think it's a three-game skid, and then that's when we started the player meetings, and we won that Saturday, and. I mean, I think that Sunday game was a really big part of our year. Um, It was a crazy game, a lot of runs, a lot of hits, and to come out on top was a big – because, I mean, when you're struggling as a team and you're in one of those battles against – it's just – it can be easy to let go of the game and lose, and we held on and won. I think that was a big kind of, like, we understood from that game that we have a chance to win a lot of games or at least hang into games and stay in the fight.
0: And as far as you personally, um, Coach Godwin said on uh, multiple occasions, talking to the media, how uh, he he referred to you as the glue. So just talk about. Um, you know, I know that had to mean a lot to you. Um, obviously, your uh, your head coach, who you have so much respect for, um, you know, giving giving you the credit um, for for everything you earn.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a huge. Um... Huge compliment from Coach G um, to be called the glue of the team. Um, yeah, it's something I took pride in um, as a senior, six-year senior. You're a little bit older than a lot of the guys. Um, professional baseball might might not be on my horizon. So my goal for this year was to just help my teammates as much as they can their baseball careers, just in a way of giving back to all the people that have helped me in my baseball career. And... statistics for me, my personal statistics, they just never really mattered. So I just really wanted to help guys on my team grow as baseball players, grow as people. And I think it took care of itself where, you know, I could have a good year just because I was worried about the right things. And, yeah, to be called the glue player uh, of the team by Coach G, it's it's a massive compliment, especially coming from him.
0: And during the second half of the season, as so many guys um, did – um, the the bats, um, you know, really developed um, for um, many players on this roster, and the offense really came into its own and started to look like the East Kelowna offense, and we have grown accustomed to seeing under Coach Godwin and staff over the last eight years. But uh, just talk about yourself. I, mean, I think you went from from being down there around 200 to hitting right around 300 for a large part of the season.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I never felt unconfident at the plate. I think I had a lot of hard outs, a lot of outs. I just found a lot of swings. I just found gloves. Um, I wasn't striking out a whole lot, so I was keeping the ball in play. So I just knew, like, eventually, it's going to even itself out. And eventually, I'm going to have a weekend where I might get hot or might have a few squib hits that even it that the game will even itself out. And I just kept telling myself that. And eventually, you know, I had a couple games where I might have had a few hits or found had a few balls I didn't hit well. That found the ground, and that's kind of what helped me stay confident the whole year. Was just I knew the game was going to even itself out. I knew I hadn't particularly had bad at bats at the plate. I just didn't have much to show for it. Absolutely, and um, that's
0: obviously uh, the reason that the emphasis is there on those quality of bats. Because um, if you have a quality of bat, as you just outlined, I mean that's all you can do. And uh, sometimes you're just going to have tough luck, and that was certainly your case. Yeah, you can you can drive it, but you can't steer it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because I remember uh, you referenced earlier. Uh, I think we were on air uh, when you when you mentioned this. As far as Turner Brown, but I remember. Uh, I don't remember if it was Turner's junior year, but that was one year where his average wasn't very good, but he had so much tough luck uh, that he was probably the the best two thirty or two forty hitter in the country.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think kind of. In that same realm it almost reminds me of Starling this year. I think Starling would go up to the plate and I would see his batting average on the on the board and I'd be like, Man, that's just not right. Like that's a little low because he's been swinging good. But yeah, Starling in that same aspect, like I don't know what he finished at, but it was I wanna say it might have been lower two hundreds, but it just never felt like he was a lower two hundreds hitter. Just he kept putting together a lot of that bats. So we I mean another thing is we just all had confidence in him as as his teammates. We'd know how good of a hitter he is that we know that you know he's he's still a totally capable hitter up there. Yeah, like you
0: said, uh, that's funny you bring up Jacob Starling because uh, when when he came to the plate there and down a run in the the top of the ninth in game two against Texas, uh, I had a ton of confidence that uh, that he could deliver, and uh, he sure surely did.
1: Yeah, yeah, he. uh he might not want – he will be fond me saying this, but, I mean, I don't think he was playing at 100%. He had that broken foot. No, I mean, it, doing... it was
0: it was evident watching him run the bases.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, he won't use it as, use it as an excuse, but, I mean, the, you play a certain number of baseball games in a year, like your body's going to wear on you, especially if you're also having something ailing you. So, I mean, I think as he heals, he's going to be a real special player. It's funny, you know,
0: you, you bring up – the fact that you did an excellent job of two strikes and um, not striking out much, uh, 22 strikeouts on the season. And, and you walked 15 times, but you also got hit by 12 pitches, which was the most on the team, despite having anywhere from like 75 to 100 at-bats um, less. And I know in previous seasons, you'd been hit by a significant number of pitches. So uh, just kind of talk about that and you know, the way you had a way of uh, finding your way on base via the free pass, even when you weren't getting base hits?
1: Yeah, my my uh, my goal this year was I wanted to be one-to-one, um, strike out-to-walk ratio, and I guess with walks, I, I factor in hit-by-pitches, obviously. So I did that this year where I was a little bit better than the one-to-one ratio, which is I was pretty proud of. But, yeah, I guess – um I don't know what it is. I've always been hit in my career. I have no idea why. I don't know if it's I have an ugly face or what's going on, but I think another thing is, is I just don't move. I uh, Especially with two strikes, when I see the ball coming at me, it's like, well, you just kind of just bail me out. I'm not going to move.
0: <laughs> and like I mentioned earlier on, I mean, we're only a week and a half out since the season ended. Um, but just, you know, talk about um, you've had a little opportunity to to reflect on what you guys were able to accomplish, uh, you know, in the 20-game win streak. Uh, winning a conference championship both regular season and the tournament for the first time ever. You know, hosting a four-straight regional, hosting the first-ever super regional on campus um, with that number eight national seed. So just you know, uh, now that you have had a chance to reflect at least a little, uh, you know, uh, what, what are your thoughts on everything the team accomplished?
1: Yeah, I mean it's pretty crazy everything that we accomplished. Um, I think a lot of there's a lot of things that as a fan you think should happen but they just aren't easy to do especially when you're inside of it and i think of like sweeping wilmington midweek sweeping um campbell midweek um i think about the game against memphis where their guy has a no-hitter and mayhew has a perfect game and the game can go either way and even though memphis isn't a top tier team like it's still a game that's just still a college baseball game i think that game will we found a way to win and then we go on the win streak and we have, we win the regular season and then we win the conference tournament. And that was the first time in CG's coaching career that we've done both where we've won the regular season and the postseason tournament or American championship. And then to host another regional and then to get the national seed. And I mean, so when you get the national seed, everyone just assumes, well, we're going to be hosting a super, but it's no, you still got to go win your regional. And our regional wasn't particularly easy. I think that Virginia game was just a testament to that. And then you got to go – and, like, just hosting that Super Regional, the first one ever on campus, was an amazing experience too. And like I was saying earlier, like, um, it's not easy to just do what you're supposed to do. Um, Like, I think our game against Coppin State where we just, you know, played really well as a team and won by a good amount of runs, like, that's the expectation. But – it's still not easy to go out there and do it. I think the previous year is just a testament to that against Norfolk State. Like, it was a really close game until free and he got a swing off there. So I think that's the coolest thing about this team is we found a way to just do things that a lot of teams, you know, we did a total amount of things that a lot of teams can't say they did. And I, like I'm like, i referencing all the midweek wins, all the, the regular season, the postseason, all those accomplishments. It's pretty cool that one team could accomplish all that
0: the atmosphere, um, both at the regional and super regional. And you know, we have a good atmosphere throughout the season. Um, but just, just by the nature of the number of games that are played versus, um, especially football. I mean, when, when, you're playing right at 30 home games in the regular season, it's tough for, for everyone to, to get out in, in those numbers for each and every game. But, um, and you would expect, and with everything that's online in the postseason, playing for a championship, um, obviously the, the intensity, um, takes a notch or two up, to say the least. But just talk about that atmosphere at both the, the regional and super regional and um, Pirate Nation. Just continue to uh, you know, make an impression on the nation because Greg Olson on ESPN, uh, the, the color analyst, uh, the former uh, Baltimore Orioles Hall of Fame pitcher, he, he had played at Auburn. He said, I've never seen anything like this.
1: Yeah, so my favorite regular season game was the Campbell game. And I was thinking to myself, man, that was a regional-type atmosphere. And then the regional came, and it was a whole nother level. And then I was like, man, that was pretty cool. Then the super regional comes, and it finds a whole nother level. And I, I just don't know how Pirate Nation was able to do that, just keep finding new levels. And then what was really cool is, like, you're catching up to start an inning, and you get the announcement that uh, we set another record for attendance, and the crowd goes wild. It's pretty surreal just playing in front of that many people and having them pull for you on the on your side. I think my favorite game of the, of my favorite game of the regional was definitely that Virginia game. Just playing under lights is special and playing under lights in front of that many fans is cool. Um, my favorite moment probably in my whole baseball career, I would say was just when Zach gets that, Zach comes in from shortstop and gets a, like he goes, walk, punch out, punch out to end the inning or end the game and just hugging him after that punch out, man. That was the coolest thing ever just because it's a night game. It kind of sets the, sets the table a bit more and, fans are going crazy and you're just celebrating with a couple of your best friends, which was really cool. And yeah, like I said, the the Super Regional, um, <laughs> by that point I had pretty high expectations for for Greenville and for ECU. And once again, they were surpassed. Since you brought up
0: Zach and a um, tremendous job he did um, coming in, like you mentioned, and closing out that UVA game, um, just the demeanor he has, um, just to be able to have, have that short memory when he walked the guy and um, the bases were loaded and then to get back to back punch outs in that situation. Incredible. And uh, you guys wore that patch. Uh, Nico, uh, unfortunately, obviously, as has been well documented, Nico passed away back in the fall and uh, he meant so much to, um, to you guys and um, coach Godwin having also coach Jake Agnos, but um, just talk about what that meant to, to you guys to be able to, uh, to, to make this season so good, not only for yourselves, but also Zach and Zach play such a big role like you did.
1: Yeah. It clearly meant a lot to us that we were wearing the Nico patch. Um, Zach and the whole Agnos family, they're pretty well loved by everybody in our program. So it just meant a lot to us that we would put together a good season wearing that patch, you know? And I mean, for to touch on what Zach did this year is pretty incredible. Um, you mentioned he didn't have a lot of errors in the field, so he played a pretty pretty, pretty premier shortstop, had a lot of web jams, and then he hits in the leadoff spot, hits like, what, 330, and then comes in and can just close out innings when we need him to. Um, I mean, that's pretty, pretty amazing that one individual could wear that many hats for a team and do it all um, insanely well
0: have several folks chiming in on Facebook and YouTube um, and specifically Josh O'Neill and Josh says, thanks for all the memories, big Ben, please visit the left field jungle next season. And then uh, Mark Calloway also said you, you did well Ben, for the pirates and good luck in your future go pirates.
1: That's awesome. Appreciate that from both of them.
0: And then uh, also I received a, a question via text message. This one's from uh, Wayland Summerlin, or, excuse me, correction from Tom Earnhardt. Tom, Earnhardt said, could you ask for Ben's assessment of the catcher position in ECU moving forward, um, both with, um, obviously, Wilcoxon, and then you have McChrystal, um, and then you have some quality catchers coming in with the class of 2022?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I don't know the recruits, but I know uh, J-Dub and Ryan really well. Um, I think J-Dub and Ryan both have, I mean, where they started – last year and j where he started a couple years ago as well, they have, I mean, they are not the same guys. They've grown so much. Um, I think they're both, yeah, they both kind of drive me crazy at times just because they want to learn, but they're both total sponges. Um, they both learned a ton this year, and I mean, I have complete confidence in both of them, so I mean, it's going to be a battle for who's the guy, but like I said earlier, catching is going to be, it's a job where you need multiple guys, and it's in great hands. They're both super talented players. They're both great people, and they're both gonna, they're both gonna do great things in different aspects for the team, whether it's catching or hitting. I mean, you saw JWdh a lot this year and did a great job. And then Ryan has a great bat as well. I mean, they can both be great players, and both will be great players. So I mean, I'm pretty excited to watch them develop, just just from a fan perspective, just because um, I know how much potential they both have, and I think for them both. The sky is honestly the limit. They can both play professional baseball and will both be great players here at ECU. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. When we saw it in small doses this year, I remember in the home run that McChrystal hit down at College of Charleston. And then also, um, you know, obviously, uh, Wilcoxon exhibited his power as well. Unfortunately, he had the walk off uh, that was reversed. Yeah. It did
1: not count uh, against Bryant. And I mean, Ryan, even Ryan, too, um, like I said, so j was the catcher to start the year, so you guys saw him behind the plate. He does pretty well back there. And for Ryan as a freshman to pop back there in the regional against Coffin State, and, you know, you wouldn't have ever noticed it was a different guy back there, which they both have a ton of talent and a ton of potential, and they both showed it at times this year, which is, you know, really exciting for me. I'm sure the coaches are more excited than I am about both of them. So, yeah.
0: As we're wrapping things up, Ben, um, just talk about uh, your future plans and you, you... – said, um, unfortunately, your professional baseball is probably not in your future, but you, you uh, have a degree in applied economics. Uh, you're well on your way to a, a master's in quantitative economics and econometrics, kind of so and just talk about that. And then just broadly, uh, you know, the accomplishments of uh, not only yourself, but this team as a whole in the classroom. Uh, you referenced Rebecca Wade, the academic advisor, um, just – talk about the culture there with um coach godwin because as much as you guys excel on the field uh, you also excel that way in the classroom
1: yeah well um first off kudos to you for pronouncing it right um my own parents can barely pronounce that uh that master's degree <laughs> so like you said um i'll have my bachelor's in economics from ecu and then i mean one of the One of the great things was I always wanted to get my master's, and with, I guess I shouldn't say great things, but one of the things that is a byproduct of COVID was I got that extra year, and so I was able to finish my master's at ECU while also playing baseball, which not a lot of guys can say they're able to do, so yeah, I got my master's in quantitative economics and econometrics, I'm finishing that up this summer, and then I should have it and be ready to go, Um, looking for some jobs, like we kind of talked on off the air, um, Thinking about staying in baseball or also thinking about moving into the financial uh, services side as an analyst or what have you and um yeah the the academic side with coach g um it's a uh, it's it's a little bit different than a lot of places i think so at junior college was my other perspective um there it is if uh, just have passing grades that's the that's kind of the expectation and um, like I said earlier, it's part of it. Might be there's just there's not as many people to monitor everything. But here, you know, you have Rebecca and you have your academic leaders, and academics are not something CG just ignores. They're at the forefront of everything. He mentions to the team if you have a good test score. He, uh, yeah. So I mean, so for our team to, I think I don't know what it is, but so many years in a row we have had the. Uh, is it a three, six GPA? It's pretty amazing. Um, I mean, that's a thing that for me helped me commit here too, is when I talk to my mom and dad about where I'm going to college, their first questions never, well, what's the baseball coach like, or what's the, uh, what's, how's the baseball team as a whole? It's, well, what, what is the school like? And, you know, you talk about ECU and all the programs it has to offer. And then you talk about the baseball team and how well they do in the classroom. And, it was a pretty easy sale for me as it was just a, not only was it a place that I was going to win at and a place I could play baseball at a high level at, but it was, it was honestly the total package, which for me was huge just because I knew probably professional baseball wasn't in my uh, future, but I wanted to get a great degree from a great university.
0: So with that, with that degree, like you said, a lot of folks may struggle to even pronounce it, but uh, you know, you know um, what are some of the things that you would be potentially interested in doing with that degree?
1: Yeah. Um, I had an internship last summer with a, uh, financial advising group and I like the financial services industry. So I think, uh, just ranging from anywhere, honestly, but a couple of the jobs that you look at are just a financial analyst job, which would be, a or a credit analyst job would be both two things. I would love to have, um, I'm just now starting getting into looking at everything because uh, I just really wanted to focus on enjoying my last year of playing baseball, especially at the collegiate level. And especially at ECU, it's pretty special. I didn't want to take it for granted and stress myself out. So I really just enjoyed it this year, which I have no regrets at all, because like I said, it's pretty special to play at ECU. And when you have people asking for your autograph, like it still was surreal to me every time.
0: No doubt, and like you said, um... Not necessarily a good thing on the whole, but uh, one of the positives that did come out of the whole COVID situation was that it allowed guys like yourself. And, you know, last year you had Matt Bridges and Cam Colmore, who got uh, strong starts on their MBAs and uh, and other guys as well. Um, they were able to, uh, to do more toward those master degrees uh, during their playing days um, than they obviously would have been able to otherwise.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool to uh, get a master's degree while you're playing baseball. Um, it's definitely is a I mean, there's not a lot of programs where guys are doing that either. So it's a testament to you know just the academic level that we hold uh, all the players to here at UCU. Well, Ben, certainly appreciate your time this afternoon.
0: Uh, did not intend on going nearly this long, but uh, I think Pirate Nation uh, will enjoy the conversation and whether. You know, if they were tuned in right now, or if they're checking out the archive, but I really appreciate the time, and I think uh, I can speak for everyone when I say thank you so much for everything you did for East Carolina baseball and uh, helping, you know, all helping achieve all the success that uh, was achieved during
1: your career. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I had a great time talking. I didn't even notice we went long. <laughs> it's always fun to talk about baseball and talk about ECU baseball as well.
0: And, uh, we'll certainly you know stay in touch, and uh, you know, best of luck in your future, and we'll have you on sometime down the road uh, during the 2023 season to talk Pirate Baseball. Looking forward to it. That is former East Carolina catcher uh, Ben Newton. Really appreciate his time. Really appreciate you tuning in, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, or pretty much anywhere podcasts are found, you can find us. Also, uh, we can be found on social media, on Twitter and TikTok, at Sports Obj on Instagram at the Sports Objective. And then like and follow us on Facebook. And, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. But for Ben Newton, I'm Bubba Rosebaum. You've been watching and listening to The Sports Objective. Have a great one, everyone. And take care. And always, go Pirates. My heart is Know that we got they back This is our house